It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, Sheep Topics with Mr. Michael Goldstein, Chagas Head of Sheep and KT. Fianna Fáil Chief Whip Deputy Michael Moynihan calls for better appreciation of farming challenges and contribution of farmers to the rural fabric. Cork West Novice Ploughing Match Results with Mr. Richard White, PRO, Cork West Ploughing Association. Beef Plan Meeting in Canturk March on Wednesday 12th, Mr. Raymond Curley, Chairman of Beef Plan. Our top story... The 2018 ICMSA Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, AGM. Addressing the 2018 ICMSA AGM in Limerick, EU Commissioner for Agriculture and Rural Development, Mr Phil Hogan, predicted that eye-in-the-sky satellites would do away with the need for on-farm inspections within a couple of years. ICMSA National President Mr Pat McCormack reviewed the association's highly successful AGM when he spoke to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Yes indeed John, I think it was successful and when you reflect on it, obviously with John Jordan, the CEO of Ornua, and given I suppose the challenges that are out there to the Kerry Gold brand from internally within the Irish dairy industry, uh, there was a lot of questions from the floor on that. Uh, and I think, you know, he acquitted himself reasonably well and, and people were reasonably happy afterwards. I suppose there was those who would have said that Lambie are right to go it alone and there was those who would have said that we need to protect and maximize the premium that we can obtain from the US and the German marketplace. So I think that created lively discussion before lunch, obviously after lunch. Uh, you know, we had uh, Commissioner Hogan, uh, you know, who, who talked about cap reform, talked about climate, climatic issues and the climatic challenge that lies ahead for us. It's certainly on cap reform, you know, and there was a lot of questions on the floor for him on uh, cross-compliance inspections. And, you know, he, he said to him that they've been monitored three times a week. And I, I'm not sure it certainly provoked a, a reaction from the floor uh, that these uh, satellite images can come from your farm three times a week. Obviously, after that, we had your, your fellow Corkman down there, Minister Creed, you know, who gave us an outline, I suppose, on beef exports and, and a variety of things, again, including cap reform and the very, very obvious Brexit. Uh, and the challenges associated with Brexit, you know, and it's only 16 weeks away, and it's it's literally in the second half of the the, the up and coming calving season. It's that close from a farmer's perspective. So certainly, um, you know, I think it was it was quite a an action packed day, and you know, for the punters that came, uh, they certainly got value in the Q and A. Now, Pat, very important. You are the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, ICMSA. 
What do you read into the trend in milk prices? A brief comment on milk price as it's been moving. Obviously, John, you know, there has been downward pressure on milk price. Our processors have been talking down milk price for the last three to four months. But nonetheless, um, you know, the index is still returning just marginally shy of 32 cents a litre or 31.9. And, you know, we would have met with the European uh, counterparts uh, at an EMB, European Milk Board Assembly meeting there 10 days ago. And they're very, very concerned about the Italians and, and the French and the Germans about where milk supply is going, uh, our deficit and fodder crisis. And thankfully, that has re- our deficit has reduced and reduced substantially uh, over the last six weeks. But for the French and the Germans, and in particular the Germans, I suppose, they wonder where they're going to get the fodder uh, to get them through the winter of 2018 and into the spring of 2019. Uh, their supply has been affected. And ultimately, you know, I see that being a positive from a milk price point of view, certainly for the first six months of 2019. Do you see any conflict between beef production and the number of calves being produced, uh, dairy calves? Sometimes you'll find a bit of tension there. Oh, look, certainly I think, you know, we would have uh, worked hard throughout the year there, and in particular during the drought, uh, with beef farmers seeing the opportunities maybe to, uh, you know, share out uh, contract wear replacement heifers, and we see them as being colleagues rather than enemies. Um, You know, I suppose there's... A myth out there in the beef industry that the cull cow ruined the beef trade throughout the year. But the reality of it is that the cull cow numbers were marginally up. Um, I suppose the critical thing is, as we look forward, is that there was over 50,000 extra Frisian bull calves exported uh, during the spring of 2018, and that has to be a positive. There's approximately 70,000 less uh, dairy bred calves in the country than there was, uh, under the age of 12 months than there was this time last year. So, you know, we would have met with the exporters there over the last number of weeks, two main exporters. And uh, they gave a very, very strong indication that their ambition is to increase export numbers during the peak weeks of spring of 2019 by up to 50%. So, you know, at this stage, our target is 200,000 calves exported in the spring of 2019. And, you know, that would uh, alleviate a lot of the pressure that's out there uh, in the the years and months ahead from a beef perspective. Uh, I think it's not wise at any point because we're very, very interdependent, whether it's cereal uh, farmers, dairy farmers, our beef, farmers, beef sucker farmers, uh, we're, we're all trying to make a living from the land, family farm structure, uh, and, you know, we have more in common than we have in disagreement. And you touched on something there which is a very, very positive trend, the closer collaboration between, on the one hand, tillage farmers and your own members, the dairy people. We saw there at the height of the crisis with fodder, people said we must learn something, and Chagas, fair play to them, they worked out a template. The catch crops, obviously, you know, were, were hugely beneficial in reducing that fodder deficit. Um, you know, for, for bee farmers that are making a living from bee farming, contract rearing can provide replace some of those beef stock uh, with a degree of continuity as regards uh, earned income. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that they should get out of the cattle inter- enterprise entirely, but to take on one particular farmer's uh, dairy replacements and to be guaranteed 12 equal payments throughout the year, um, you know, without the capital investment that's required for beef, uh, has to be a positive and it has to be an option. Uh, you're not forcing any farmer to do it, but you're certainly giving them the option. Now, one of your keynote speakers at the AGM, the 2018 ICMSA AGM in Limerick, was Mr. Phil Hogan, European Commissioner for Agriculture and Rural Development. The increasingly important element, the environment, that people would have to work more for their basic payment. That's the feedback, obviously, John, that, you know, the the BPS uh, is becoming the basic income support for sustainability uh, by virtue of its change in aim. There's a change of emphasis, even. So certainly, you know, the environment and the eco-scheme and those various schemes 
uh, will be critical to our environmental ambitions uh, as we progress. Obviously, we need to try and maximise output and have commercial farming uh, work hand in hand with those schemes. People coming back from Brussels say, look, they see a different um, emphasis at CAPAS being moved slightly to one side, and you have people talking about uh, immigration to the European Union and uh, even a European army, which, you know, is just there in the background. Yes, indeed. I suppose that has all come about as a result of the Brexit talks. Uh, there's no point in saying otherwise. Uh, the European Union was a continuous expansion of, of a collaboration of countries, and all of a sudden you find one country opting out, uh, the frame of thought uh, points in a different direction, uh, where people begin to think about how we, we protect the Union uh, in its maximum and maximise its entirety. If you were to listen to the European negotiators, I don't think there's anything else going to be put on the table. Um, but certainly for Theresa May in the next week or 10 days, it's going to be an extremely challenging period of time for her to get gain the support uh, to get this deal through the, the, the House of Commons. And, uh, you know, I suppose we are sitting now as literally as spectators uh, watching uh, the climax uh, to this vo- vote and, you know, hoping that the deal that's there, it's as near to status quo as can be for the next 24 months, if it was delivered, uh, that that would get through the House of Commons, I think, to provide a degree of stability uh, that we mightn't have anticipated would be on the table eight or nine weeks ago. Was there any particular point or any demand, we'll say, that you put to Minister Michael Creed for your members? Anything that he's going to go back to you on that you really pressed him on? Look, we, we pressed him, obviously, on on cross-compliance inspections. We pressed him very, very hard on, on CAF exports that, you know, the layer just need to be there at the other side in Sherbrooke uh, to get the CAFs rested in order to get them onto their new des- their further destinations. Uh, you know, he used to come back to us on that because it's absolutely imperative that we're not bit by those sort of physical logistics if the market is there for the Irish CAF. And the Irish CAF has, produ- has performed very, very well in the veal units uh, at the other side. And it's also fair to say that, you know, it's imperative that these CAFs keep moving from the Irish dairy farmer's perspective from a workout point of view in the spring of 2019. Thank you very much indeed for your valuable time, Mr. Pat McCormack, National President, ICMSA Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association. Thank you, Pat, very much indeed. Thank you, John. A contract heifer-rearing information meeting will be held at Corran Mart for Moy on Thursday, December 13th at 7pm. Chairman Mr Billy Kelleher, Chagask Regional Manager. Speakers Michael Burke, B&T Dairy Advisor for Moy, Donal O'Reilly Dairy Farmer, Donal Howard, Contract Rearer and Owen Ryan, Senior Superintending Veterinary Inspector, Ruminant Animal Health and ERAD. This is a KT-approved event, and that's all at the Contract Heifer-Rearing Information Meeting, Corran Mart for Moy, Thursday, December 13th, 7pm. Mr Richard White, PRO Cork West Ploughing Association, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Richard, details of the recent novice match and, of course, an upcoming event related to charity. Thank you very much, John. Yeah, the, um, the novice match on uh, Saturday, December the 1st, at Gagan Bendon, uh, by kind permission on the lens of David Bird. Um, now, the, the novice match, this is the fourth year it's being held uh, up to the three previous years. There was just a conventional, two for a conventional, but uh, this year a reversible class has also been incorporated into it. And um, it was a, a very successful event, there were six competitors. And the judges from Tipperary, Eddie Halley and John O'Brien, were very impressed with the standard of ploughing. And the results were as follows. The conventional two for uh, first, Nilo Driscoll, second, Ian Farrell, 
third, Ellen Nyan, fourth, Dan Collins, and fifth, Sean Welch. And in the reversible class, uh, with Michael Witchley was first. So uh, congratulations to Niall O'Driscoll and Michael Witchley, who are the first members of the Cork West plowing team to be selected to plow at the All-Ireland in Carlow next September. Um, now, on to, now, a charity run that's occurring on tomorrow Sunday. It's a fundraising charity, a revenge charity run. It's for tractors, cars, and lorries. It's on tomorrow, Sunday, the 9th of December. Uh, registration is at 11 o'clock, and it's leaving the showgrounds, Clannacilty, at 12.30 sharp. It's in aid of Father John Kingston, a local Clannacilty priest who has spent over 35 years on missions in Africa. A local group of Clannacilty fundraising company has been established uh, to purchase a small tractor and some implements for his mission. They have produced an agribusiness wall calendar for 2019, uh, very useful arrangement to have, and the uh, most useful phone numbers on it. Uh, this calendar will be given to all participants in the vehicle run on Sunday. Also, a rolly toy run inside in the hall will take place at 2 o'clock onwards for the children, so all are welcome. So that's a charity run on Sunday, on tomorrow Sunday, 9th of December, uh, registering from 11 o'clock onwards at the showgrounds and the party at 12.30. Now, I suppose we're coming to our last plowing event of the year has now been held. And uh, in the new year, I suppose the upcoming fixtures will be uh, McCroom, January the 6th, Tanakilty, the 13th, Kilmeen on the 20th, and Camorra on the 27th. And uh, I suppose at this point, I'd like to thank you, John, and all at 103FM for your help throughout the year and uh, with, with our results, getting them broadcast and informing people, especially on, on Sunday mornings if there's a cancellation. To avoid unnecessary journeys, and uh, wish you all a very happy Christmas. We wish you many happy returns. Of course, thanks to you for always coming faithfully with those results and any details of upcoming events. And of course, uh, if it has to occur a cancellation, at least we uh, are notified in good time and can tell the people. So we'll broadcast this, Richard, and we look forward to the new year of ploughing and we'll be doing reports. But in the meantime, thank you very much, Richard, and all the very best to members of the West Cork Ploughing Association. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you very much, John. Chagask and Dairy Gold, our sponsor, have organised two events under the title of Managing Your Money for Winter 2018 and Into 2019. The events are scheduled, first one at Castle Hotel McCroom from 11am to 1pm on Thursday 13th, and the second is at Chagask Moor Park Advisory Building for Moy from 2.30 to 4. First of all, at the Castle Hotel McCroom, 11am to 1pm, speakers scheduled, Mr David Shane, FDC, Financial Preparation for Price Volatility and Weather Shocks, Mr John Fitzgerald, Bank of Ireland, Finance Options and Knowing What's Needed, Miss Eileen Finnegan, AgriNet Cashminder, Ms. Finnegan explains what Cashminder is and points out how it can help you manage your cash. Both of those meetings will be on the theme of Managing Your Money for Winter 2018 and into 2019, organised jointly by Chagask and our sponsor Dairy Gold. And those speakers mentioned will be at both meetings. Mr. Michael Godstein, Head of Sheep and KT at Chagask, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Michael, welcome to the programme. Your colleagues in the dairy sector have asked you to flag two important events upcoming. So before we talk about sheep matters, we'll have a look at those two events you've been asked to mention. 
they're coming up on the 12th and 14th of December. Okay, so there's two two winter dairy seminars. The um, the first one is taking place on Wednesday, the 12th of December, in Corin Martin for Moy at 11:30, and that one is basically looking at uh, dairy market trends, um, an outlook, stock nutrition, and grazing management. Um, and the second uh, seminar then is taking place on Friday, the 14th of December, and that's in the Mallow GA Pavilion, and that's at 11:30 a.m. as well. Um, that's actually a KT dairy approved event, um, and it's looking at dairy farm strategies, herd health, and farm security. That's great. Now, turning to your own speciality, turning to sheep at this point in time, Michael, are there any practical tips? Uh, what should people be doing uh, to make sure that their sheep flocks uh, thrive? And of course, we'll probably talk about hill sheep and lowland sheep, but sheep in general, what uh, should people be doing this time of the year? Yeah, so John, I suppose um, at this stage most people are are finishing up their their breeding season. Um, maybe some of the later lambing flocks that might still have rams out, but um, for the vast majority of of lowland sheep farmers, the rams are gone at this stage out of the flocks. And for the hill sheep, they're probably being taken up in the next couple of weeks. So the important thing, really, from from the the yaw side uh, point of view, is um, that we need to just keep an eye on body condition. Um, so most hill sheep will have been in pretty good condition this year because we had such a dry summer and generally dry weather tended to suit sheep and also a lot of the hills kept growing quite well during the dry weather because generally they're on peat or moisture type soils um, that didn't suffer from the drought. So we find that by and large, the hill sheep are in, in maybe a little bit better condition than, than they normally would be this time of the year. And it's just about basically maintaining that and keeping an eye on that. Um, on the lowland sheep farms, the sheep, uh, we, we're seeing the opposite. Uh, really, the sheep aren't maybe in as good condition as they have been uh, in previous years. That might be because of drought and feed shortages and, 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 and things like that, and, and probably a, a bad enough spring as well. We had a wet enough spring. Um, so yours are a small little bit, uh, in some cases a little bit behind in body condition. And I suppose the main thing that we're trying to impress on farmers now for the next um, couple of months is to keep an eye, an eye on that body condition. Have a look at your yours. It is a bad idea to allow yours to lose body condition. Traditionally, we, we used to, years ago, we used to always say allow them to lose a little bit of condition in mid-pregnancy. Um, we're, we're really trying to steer away from that message. Um, for most people, it's about maintaining the body condition that you have um, and also maybe identifying some of the thinner yours or picking out the 20% of the flock that are the thinnest and giving them a little bit of preferential treatment even if that means feeding a small little bit of meal um, to them. I know meal is very expensive this year and um, on a lot of dry stock farms there are significant cash flow issues as a result of the bad year but this is really about spending a penny now to save a pound um, next year, next spring. Um, body condition is, is really important in yours in late pregnancy and in early lactation. And if they shed that condition or if they haven't enough condition when they come into that phase, it has knock-on effect in terms of lamb mortality and lamb performance for the rest of the, the, the following year. So that's, I suppose, the, the take-home message on the yours is look at, handle your yours. Uh, you can't do that by looking at them. Put your hand down through the wool. Um, yours that are thin, um, 
give them a bit of extra grub, um, keep an eye on the condition of the oats that are in good body condition so they don't start losing it. And when you notice that they start losing condition, you need to go in when the grass runs out with either forage, silage, hay, haylage, um, or a little bit of meal. I suppose the second group of sheep then that um, all sheep farmers have are rams, and rams are a very expensive bunch of sheep insofar as that they're much more expensive to buy than than yours. Um, There's a lot of money tied up in the ram flock, and I suppose the important thing is that when you take them up from the yos when you're finished mating um, and you're retiring them for the year until next year, um, to take a few steps just to make sure that they will be around for next year, that they don't um, uh, leave the farm in in, an, in the knackery van uh, or lorry during the during the winter or early spring. So it's about basically taking them in, going through them, giving them a health check, um, so a fluke dose. For younger rams, we'd be saying give them a warm dose. They need they need a warmer, um, and then just sorting out problems with their feet and things like that, so that they're not lame, and giving them a little bit of feed. Um, a lot of very active rams um, will have lost a lot of body condition during the mating. Um, rams can lose up to 15% of their body uh, weight during a six-week mating period. So it's important that um, we put a little bit of that back on before the winter comes. So it's not just a case of basically take up the rams and chuck them out into a, fa- a paddock or a field somewhere and, and, and leave them there and hope that they'll be there in the springtime. It's really about, you know, doing the few. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Simple health checks. Give them a, a dose for fluke if they need that. If you're on a fluky type farm, um, younger rams, definitely a warm dose and a small little bit of meal, maybe half a kilo a day um, for a couple of weeks just to help them to build back up again and then just monitor them the same as the O's. So I think they're they're the two main things really that people need to look out for in terms of the breeding flock, John. Um, I think those are important steps to take in your management, and I think the dividends in terms of of, of doing that now will pay in terms of having yours in better body condition uh, at lambing time 
more vigour and healthier lambs with uh, better survival instincts and yews that will be able to milk better in the springtime. Thank you, Michael. Mr. Michael Godstein, Head of Sheep and KT at Chagask. Full details regarding the clean sheep policy and other factors in our Wednesday programme with Michael. Meetings have been organised in Canturk for Wednesday 12th of December and in Kenmare on the 11th of December to try and address the crisis farmers are facing regarding cattle and beef prices. The meetings are organised by Beef Plan. Mr Raymond Curley is Chairman of Beef Plan. Thanks very much, John. I'm with a group that have started this Beef Plan and we're having two meetings one is on Tuesday, December the 11th at 8 p.m. And it's it's for people from West Cork and Kerry. And it's in Kinmear Mart. And then we've won the following day on Wednesday the 12th of December at 8 p.m. in Kentuck Mart in Cork. And it's for the people of Limerick and Cork. There'll be more details of all the meetings on our website, www.beefplan.ie. That sounds fine. Could you outline to our listeners the main issues as you see them of beef production at the moment, some of the main issues affecting beef production in Ireland? Well, I suppose the main issue at the moment is uh, the price we get for our cattle. Uh, And we think it should be uh, the cost of production plus a margin. So basically what we will be looking for is a new pricing system for cattle. Uh, at the moment, farmers are sort of price takers, and th- the price we get for our cattle is, is basically set by the factories. And th- th- the price we pay for all our inputs are set by the people who supply us with our inputs. And <laughs> what we find is that we're actually squeezed between those two corporate bodies. And we're often left with a price for our product that's below the cost of production. And we think it's time that farmers got together and uh, seen farming as a business. The very same way as meat factories and retailers would see their own business as a business. Um, So what we should be able to do is work out what it costs us to produce our beef and then name our price uh, so that we're able to get a cost of production plus a margin. Because I think it's time that farmers were treated seriously and recognised for their work. And there's nothing extraordinary in what we're suggesting. It's what any business would do that produces a product people in the suckler sector, people producing high-quality suckler cows, year after year, they seem to work at a loss or near loss, and yet they keep going on. I mean, what could be done to give suckler farmers a living as opposed to now just working hand-to-mouth and probably on balance, you know, back to square one? Well, the way we see it is that we've got a product, um, and that's basically the suckler beef which is the envy of the world. Like, the image of a suckler cow grazing in a field with a calf beside her, eating green grass, is something that, 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 that they don't have in a lot of countries. And 
when contracts have been signed for beef, this is the image that's been presented to these people, that the cow in the field with the calf e- eating grass. And the, the, the most annoying thing about it all is that, that that beef can't be bought in a shop or, or can't be bought anywhere in Europe. Because what currently happens is that when that beast goes into a factory in this country, it, it's mixed up. It's mixed with all the dairy beef, and it, it's sold as um, a, a lot, basically on, on the bottom shelf of a supermarket in, in the UK as a branded product. And we feel it should be a, a niche market with a quality brand developed and, and, and we, we believe there would be heaps of people across Europe and the world that would pay a premium for this premium product which it is uh, so, so I think th- there is money for this product that the suckler farmers of Ireland produce but it, it hasn't been marketed properly and, and that's one of the things that we, we will be putting a lot of emphasis on to, to make sure that uh, we, we do develop a brand something similar to Kerrygold for butter. It should be this premium beef brand um, where countries like Portugal, for example, the only option they have is dairy bread beef. Uh, and there's many other countries across Europe who, who wouldn't have access to suckler bread beef who we feel would, would be willing to pay a premium for it. Eamon, could you please remind our listeners when these two very important meetings are taking place at Kenmare Mart and Can Turk March, please. One is on Tuesday, the December the 11th at 8 p.m. And it's, it's for people from West Cork and Kerry. And it's in Kenmare Mart. And then we've won the following day on Wednesday, the 12th of December at 8 p.m. in Kenturk Mart in Cork. And it's for the people of Limerick and Cork. There'll be more details of all the meetings on our website, www.beefplan.ie. Eamon, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thanks, Eamon. Thank you, John. Thanks very much. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Michael Moynihan, the Fianna Fáil Chief Whip and also a farmer in his own right, a beef farmer. Michael, welcome to the programme. Now, as a Fianna Fáil representative for the Cork Northwest region and a farmer in the region, a beef farmer, you, of course, would be very familiar with the problems of beef farming. What is the most important thing that can be done to really try and help people in the beef farming sector? Uh, thank you very much, John. I suppose, you know, as we head for the latter uh, weeks and days of uh, 2018, many farmers around the country are looking at their uh, their expenditure and their profit. You know, there was an old saying, you know, how much did I make by Christmas week or whatever. But I, I, I think that, I, and I, I'm getting it right across the desk. And I, I come from uh, farming. I'm a farmer myself. Uh, uh, I have a small suckler herd. But, I, I you know, it, that's not my sole income. So, But I, I'm looking at people that are coming to me looking at discussing their farming uh, enterprises over the last while and helping them in terms of uh, in one instance or in a number of instances I suppose uh, in, in renegotiating finances and so forth but also people looking for help in terms of maybe farm assist or, or other uh, social welfare payments and I see farmers and they you know on the face of it if you look at it from the figures and the, the cattle numbers they say that they're, they're, they're a reasonably good farm and that they have a, a but 
when they show the profit and they show me the, the set of accounts that they have prepared for the revenue commissioners and so forth and they, they show the, the profit that they have and the profit is you know very 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 small and in some instances incomes less than seven or eight thousand and these would be people that would have worked full time during the 2018 period or indeed the 2017 period on the farms and they're making very little income on it and I suppose you know I know that you have done interviews with Chagas and they have brought out figures John on the 18% reduction in income but that's coming off a very low base and I think people farmers are looking at the figures at this point and they're really assessing their situations because they are continuing to farm and they are not seeing any way out of it and I think that over the last while the B Forum was set up under Simon Coveney and that was an initiative to try and bring all the stakeholders together to try and ensure that we had a beef industry going forward and I think at this point it is vitally important at this point that you know not just a talking shop of a beef forum but action and we have to ensure if you look at you know the dairy sector and the challenges particularly in the Duhalla region and in North Cork over 2018 and in many years it will be talked about into the future with farmers we'll be talking about difficult years uh, like like other generations were talking about the 1946 and 47 and other periods but the point is that farmers are very difficult period at this point and there are income challenges out there and we have to all policymakers were going to have to stand up to the plate and make sure that we really do not just give talk to this time you know the B form was set up six seven years ago and there was a you know fierce uh, I suppose uh, weight put on it that it would deliver for farmers it hasn't done so and there is a despondency out there and many farmers are looking at you know when the factories have when they sold their cattle and their fact and they're looking at the profit margins and they're not there and how are we going to ensure that this vibrant industry this industry that is keeping swads of rural Ireland alive and if you look at the value added in terms of our production of beef if you look at what's added from the co-op side of it, from the merchant side of it, from the job side of it and the processing side of it and indeed from the transport and marts and everything else. We have to make sure that we have a viable industry going forward and I think that not just a beef forum but real action in terms of can we say, like if you look at it going back 25 years ago, farmers were getting a higher percentage price uh, uh, per, if, for the finished product for the uh, so much uh, a pound for beef the farmer were getting a far greater percentage of it now to the processors and the retailers surely that is not right the person that is dirtying their hands the dirtiness committed to working and to making sure that there is an industry are the people that are producing the raw material and if they don't get an income out of it we are going to see a serious decline in it so, Michael, essentially you're calling for a major review of the beef industry and you yourself, you're a beef farmer. I understand you have uh, some suckler cows. That's correct. Yes, that's correct yeah. Now, as regards the beef sector, do you feel that the suckler cows, that the, the, the sucklers, there should be far more of a campaign to get a niche market to fully appreciate the high quality of the Irish suckler cow and to make sure that we get full value by 
really highlighting the quality of this animal instead of just uh, exporting? Is that one well, well, salvation uh, for the, the sucklers? Well, I, I think, you know, right across the, 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 I suppose, the livestock industry in farming, right? You know, suckler cows or, or dairy herds, you know, the standard that we are producing, the quality that the farmer is producing, we have had 25 years really since BSE struck, we have had a stringent regulation after regulation have come in, and the farmers have stepped up to the plate in relation to trade traceability in relation to animal husbandry, which is, you know, they have been very good at going back over the generations, but they have really stepped up to the plate. And we have probably one of the greenest and probably one of the best products, whether that's on the dairy side or whether it is on the beef side. And I think that what we need to do is we need, you know, there is an old saying that people will pay for anything expensive, but they won't pay for groceries. And we want to ensure, and I think that the, the premium product that we are producing on, on the suckler side, it has, you know, there is no premium going back to the farmer for producing the premium product. And where is that pr- money going? If we are producing a premium product and if the premium product is, go- is, is going into the being sold as a premium product, but there's somebody else cashing in on it rather than the primary producer. And I think that we also have to, you know, we cannot do down the, what is coming off of the dairy herd in terms of, of beef calves in the springtime. You know, they are a huge commodity as well and they will become more and more. And we have to make sure that we, all of this is very, very traceable. And we want to make sure that there's a market for all these products. We have seen global populations growth, and we are not getting in there fast enough in the emerging markets for our green product and our product that we can send over. The margin, you're saying the person who is producing this, the primary producer, they're not getting as big a cut as the person who is somewhere in the middle, and certainly not as much following various surveys as the person who puts it on the shelf and says it in the supermarket. So you do you see an opening there for action to be taken to ensure that the person producing the cow, producing the beef, producing the animal would get a far bigger share? And of course, all of this is very much theory until we find out where we stand with the whole Brexit thing. Even people will throw up when they hear about Brexit again. But that's uh, an unknown there. The, the Brexit is an unknown quality. Now, I come back now to, in, in a moment to the price, right? We have a major challenge, of course, in relation to Brexit. And I think that, you know, we have to be very responsible, all of us, uh, to ensure that we have, uh, we, we deal with Brexit nationally as a, as a national issue, as, as a, it's a very serious issue for us. And all our agriculture industry, all our exports are dependent on, you know, a, a reasonable outcome of Brexit. If you look at it, and, and I mean, I cannot speak, I know I can speak from our own point of view, but the, the, the folly that is Brexit, and I think we'd be proved to be Brexit if, if they exit the, exit the EU, but we have to ensure that we have access into the, and, and the biggest threat to us, or the biggest challenge for Ireland, will be the Irish UK agreement after Brexit that the trade agreement that's between the uh, the Republic of Ireland and the UK after Brexit will be a major challenge and we might need to make sure that we have the best possible conditions that we can get our product into and like if we are going to deprive our agricultural product uh, of that market or not going to seriously negotiate a proper uh, strategy in relation to it we are going to have major challenges and I think if if you look at it right where those that are, are, are in any other sector, 
any other sector that's out there, you know, if you those that are making the primary product, those that are making the computers or making the, the, the iPhones or whatever it is, those people are getting the bulk of the fund of the funding from the cost of it. They are making the most of the money out of it. But we have to go back to a place where there is a margin for the farmer. And like we, you know, the common agriculture policy has been brought in by the European Union to bring cheap food or a cheap food basket, I suppose, on the back of, of the world wars and when, when Europe was hungry to ensure that they would never again go hungry. All of that is fine. But there's a cut or a threat to the cut in the common agricultural policy. And there has been a reduction in the common agricultural policy over the last while. And maybe, you know, the, some of the, the smaller uh, farmers, you know, aren't getting enough out of the common agricultural policy. But the point is that if they are, it, we have to ensure that farmers have a margin out of what they're producing. And we can have all the, the you know, the sub- subsidies and everything else. But if we can't get a product to market, wherever that market is, whether it is in the UK or whether it is in, uh, in, the, in the Far East or in the emerging markets, if we can't get our product to that market and make sure that the guy that gets up in the morning and gets his hands dirty by producing the primary product, whether that's the milk or whether that's the beef, but in particular in this back end of the year where we've seen traditionally on the run up to Christmas where the price of beef rises in the factories, this year it is reducing in the, in, in the factories and we have to ensure that the, our primary producers are getting a fair crack of the whip. And indeed, beef farmers looking at those articles in the Irish Farmers Journal this week and last week about the 21 reported contraventions of the EU trimming rules this year. We've tried to get a comment from Cormac Healy or whoever is speaking on behalf of Meat Industry Ireland. But uh, you have a situation there where the department, the minister, the department, the government can't reveal the identity of those factories or factory which was fined uh, 21 times for contravening EU trimming rules. You can't guarantee that you're going to get full value for the animal, whatever the price is, be it high or low. That's correct. And you see, if you take it uh, from the farmer's point of view, if you take it from the genuine farmer's point of view, and they look at the regulations that they're working under at the moment and the cross-compliance and, you know, the inspections and the audits that they're, that they're looked at. And if there was a farmer that was in contravention of the uh, the cross-compliance regulations, of the, the animal movement regulations or anything, 21 times. Just take any small dairy farmer, any cattle farmer, any sheep farmer that was in contravention. They would get their names in the papers irrespective of whether they wanted them or not. They would be clearly identified and there would be challenges taken by the department and there would be challenges to ta- to stop them trading and to stop them, you know, if they were in contravention 21 times. So therefore, you have the meat industry and like there, there's huge uncomfortability, I suppose, at the moment from the uh, from the, um, the farming point of view in relation to the, 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 the hold the meat industry has on the farmer. And if there is a contravention 21 times, I cannot understand, I cannot understand how it is the case that that information is not brought to the public domain. And I think that, it, it, you know, it, we, the problem with it now is that because there is such a crisis there, farmers are going into their little, uh, for the want of a better word, trench, and they are going fighting everybody else in their trenches, whether it is the processor, whether it is the, the, the wholesaler, whether it is the supermarkets, or indeed whether it is the department and the regulations or the European Union. But we should all be in this together. Thank you, Deputy Michael Moynihan, Fianna Fáil Chief Whip. The final speaker on our programme this morning was Deputy Michael Moynihan, Fianna Fáil Chief Whip and Doyle Deputy for Cork Northwest.
Due to lack of available space on our programme, a number of interviews have had to be held over in part or in whole. We look forward to broadcasting these interviews on the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme on Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11pm. That's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.